Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Thank you so much. Good morning, Karura Community Chapel. Good morning to those of you who are watching us online, those of you who are watching us from all over the world. We want to appreciate once again, Kinoti, isn't he a great uh, service host? Wow, thank you so much, uh, Kinoti. To you and to your family, we thank you so much. We also want to thank the old lady vocalists. Did you enjoy them? They were wonderful, aren't they? Let's appreciate them once again. Some of them have families, some of them have young children, and their families have been very patient, and we want to thank all the families uh, that belong to these uh, lovely ladies who are very patient so that they can minister to us. also want to thank the men instrumentalists. I think the only one you didn't see is Richie. Richie, could you just stand up? He was the, he's in the drama. Thank you so much, Asante Sana, Richie, for the great work that you're doing over there. Javez went to Congo. He was there. They were burying their, their sister. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. I will continue to uh, pray for, for them. Uh, we, for those of you who may be visiting with us, we are having our spiritual emphasis campaign. And we're looking at the whole area of 40 days of love. Why 40 days? It has been shown that if you do something consistently for 40 days, it becomes part of you. And so we're not saying that you just love for 40 days and then after 40 days, you go back to where you are. But we're believing that after we've gone through this, doing even the practicals, after 40 days, we shall be different people. Our goal is that we shall have better relationships, that if there is an Olympic game for those who love well, all of Karura Community Chapel will be in that Olympic, that we shall be world-class, genuine lovers, world-class followers of Jesus Christ in all that we do. I request for those of you who are here in person, there are some someone notes, hard copies that you can actually remove so that we can track together. For those of you who are watching us online, some has been provided on our website in soft copy. Uh, and in case you're not able to access it, just write and uh, somebody is going to give you the link so that you can be able to access it. For those of you who are visiting with us or you did not listen to the first sermon that was preached by Reverend Gary and the second sermon, we'll encourage you to go to our website again and listen to those sermons. Because what we are doing is we are building on every previous sermon so that we can have strong relationships. Now, when you think about a call to do something, you often you find that those who have people who've gone ahead of them or people who've shown them examples, they find it much easier, much, much, they learn much quicker and with much more confidence to be able to learn that thing if they have had these people who have modeled it for them or have gone ahead of them. So for example, there are some, those of you who come from families where there are businessmen, successful businessmen and businesswomen, you'll find that for you to engage in business, it's so much easier than somebody who does not have that kind of background. And the same applies to almost all careers, be it in uh, teaching, be it in medical. You find if you've had models who've gone ahead of you, you tend to know this thing is possible. And so you go into it with confidence, knowing that you can actually be able to do it. Now, when it comes to love, who would be the best model? It would be Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that God is love. 
There is not an iota of love in the world that does not originate from God because he is love. You can imagine all these songs that we hear, some secular, some spiritual, all of them almost 90% or so talking about love and being accepted and all that kind of thing. All that originates from God. He is our model for love. And that is why our topic for today is loving like Jesus loves. Loving like Jesus loves. And that is why in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus himself says, I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. He has modeled love for us, so we are able to love. So when we receive the abundant love of Jesus Christ for ourselves, it enables us to love other people from a fountain of love. Because you cannot offer to somebody what you don't possess for yourself. And so when we receive it is when we are able to give it out, when we experience it. That's why in John chapter 13, verse 15, he says, look, I have given you, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So when you and I continuously receive this incredible, indescribable love of God for us through the Holy Spirit, and we begin to feel it in our lives, then we are able to be more loving to other people. And this loving uh, love is not just looking at history, and saying, that is how it was. It's not some stale love. I always remember, on the day I was getting married, I remember my wife walking down, and then I started, in my head, I started doubting. Oh, oh, what is this I've done? Because I was thinking, I was thinking, maybe after a week or two weeks, we'll give all the stories, and then we'll just start looking at each other. Now what shall I do with this lady? And I was thinking, maybe after a while, our love will become stale and all that. But I have news for you. You know, when the Bible says that beauty is fleeting, and charm is deceptive, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I've seen my wife as she continues to love the Lord. I've seen her love just becoming fresh every day and her loving me and loving the family so fresh on a daily basis. It's amazing we've been married for such a long time and it's amazing that I keep wondering, what have we been doing all these other years? Because it's just new, it's fresh. This is the kind of love that God gives to us. When he fills us with this love, it just overflows to those around us. This is the kind of love that he's calling us to do. And so today we are going to look at four ways that God expresses his love for us and how we should in turn express that very love to other people. The first thing we, we are going to look at is we must accept others the way Jesus accepts me. We must accept others and I must accept others the way Jesus accepts me. The starting point to learn to love other people is the realization that God accepts me. John chapter 6 verse 37 this is what it says the father the father gives me my people every one of them will come to me and i will always accept them always always accept them circle that always he will not reject you when the father gives him to you he will always accept him jesus says i will always accept them in psalm chapter chapter 27 verse 10 the Bible says this, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The psalmist is saying that God is going to accept us even if those who are closest to us, those that we would consider impossible to reject us, even if they reject us, God will continue to love and to accept us. Paul writing to Titus in chapter 3 verse 7, he says, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. 
He made us acceptable to God, the Father by grace, not because of who we are. We've been accepted. I think the greatest challenge we normally tend to have is differentiating between acceptance and approval. We need to learn to accept people even when we do not approve of what they do. A good example is one day some religious leaders brought a woman who was caught in adultery and they bring her to Jesus and throw her at the feet of Jesus and the, the woman was caught cheating on her husband and, and they are, they, bringing her to Jesus they say down upon them just know the finger of God will be upon you. When we come to Jesus with all our sins and with all our faults and all our failures he does not shame us and he does not take us even on a guilt trip he protects our dignity. And he says, don't do that anymore. Don't sin anymore. Don't do the wrong things anymore. He does the things he does not approve. He says, don't do them anymore. But Jesus accepted this woman. He accepts us. That's why we need to do the same to those around us. Not necessarily approving of the wrong they do, but accepting them. Because we have been accepted. That is why in Romans chapter 15 verse 7 it says accept one another then just as Christ Jesus accepted you. This is our homework for this week. This is the first one. We have four of them for this week. This is our first homework. During this spiritual emphasis campaign like we said we are going to do a lot of practical things. If you have your someone outline this is what it says. This week I will show acceptance to Think of somebody. And I want you as you think of somebody to write their name, someone specific. Somebody who may be difficult to love. Someone you want, uh, you, you may choose somebody who under normal circumstances you not even touch with a 10-foot pole because you don't want to be near them. Somebody you've had a hard time accepting. Because sometimes the most unlovable people, and especially for those of you who look at children and no children, when they are misbehaving, most of the time it's because they are not loved. And, it, and sometimes it goes on even into adulthood. The most unlovable people are usually the most unloved people. And so they are trying to express themselves because they feel unloved. These people need doses of love. And since you and I have been loved, how much more it would be nice to reach out to these people. Because the Lord requires, as we've been reading this week, the Lord requires that we develop a radar. A radar of sensitivity where we can see issues around us. We can see people around us who need acceptance. We can hear and listen so that we can hear what's happening around to see who needs us. Just the way the Lord has accepted us that we can be able to accept. So that we can be able to ask the necessary question and empathize and sympathize with people with our hearts and with our hands take some actions. And so we are called to learn, to look, to see, to listen. This requires a lot of patience and it might be a lot of work. And when you start thinking, Lord, I don't want to love that person, start thinking about how much God himself loves you. You know the people we call EGRs? The people who need extra grace uh, because of who they are. Think about those people. And I request you, if you're seated next to your spouse, please don't write their name because you'll create problems. And we don't want you to start creating problems. Find a way to communicate to them. In fact, don't write the name of anyone who is seated next to you because they may be seeing. But for those of you who are at home, I'll encourage you to be wise and to know how to treat. If it's somebody you want to write from your family, but it could be from your workplace, it could be from your school. 
Loving Jesus means I've got to accept others the way Jesus Christ accepts me. So just think of a name. In case, you're, in case you can't think of somebody, just say a prayer. The Lord may just drop a name into your spirit. So think of somebody. And don't plan to write after you leave. Try to write as much as possible while you're still here. Number two, loving like Jesus means that I must value others the way Jesus values me. How valuable are you? I'm not talking about your net worth. I'm talking about your self-worth. How much are you worth? Let me tell you how much you are worth. You are infinitely valuable to God. First, God created you. Secondly, Jesus died for you. Third, he puts his spirit within you. And fourth, he wants you to be with him forever in eternity. That is how valuable you are to God. In Luke chapter 12 from verse 6 to 7, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You're worth much more than many sparrows. God says you're valuable. What makes something valuable? There are two things that make something valuable. The first one is the, the who made it. Value depends on who made it. Now, I know very little about music. In fact, when I was, I was a young kid, I was, I think, about seven or eight, I went to do an audition for choir in Sunday school. And they, they told me they'll call me later. They have never called me to this. <laughs> But my daughter plays violin. And the other, some time back, I asked her, what, how do you decide on the prizes of these violins and all that? And she told me, the price of a violin is decided by who made it. And she told me, if you go to a place like Italy, the Italian violins are the most expensive. And this was made so by a man called Antonius Stradivari in the, between 17th and 18th century. He was one of the most prophetic uh, who made the, some of the best violins at that particular time. And so his brand com commands a very high price. One of his violins, which is a, it's about 300 years now, it is called the Traft. They did a research on it and they found out that the way he makes the violins, his craftsmanship, the quality of the wood he would choose, and the chemicals he was used to soak the wood of the violin made them to produce their amazing superior sounds. And my daughter was telling me that some of the reasons why some are very cheap is because they are just produced in the factory en mass, but they don't put that, the handmade strings and the handmade things that uh, um, this man would put in for his, 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 his violins. Now imagine today you are sent to buy a violin into the shop and you go to the shop and you find one written Antonia Stradivari. And then you find another one, which is written, it is written, made by George Shiramba. Which one would you go for? Your response tells it. Who creates it, makes it valuable. So who created you? God did, and he did a good job. Everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. That is what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. 
God does not create junk. God created you and you are good. If you're at home, look at the person next to you, if you have somebody there and tell them you're good. And tell them you're really good. Now, if you're here, I'm not sure you can do it because of social distancing and the like. But the key issue is just to recognize that people are really good. Because the Bible says for you are God's workmanship. The word, the Greek word for workmanship means, literally means masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. For Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Long before you were even born, God created you with a clear purpose. Now, I, I may not know what your purpose is, but sometimes I may try to tell you what your purpose is and I may try even to tell you what, what I think about you. I may even try to tell you your value. I may try to tell you you don't look good. I may try to tell you you're worthless. I may even try to tell you you're too fat, you're too short, you're too tall. But the owner, the one who created you, created you with a purpose. He created you with value. He loves you and he knows you. So value depends on who made you. You are a class product made by God for a purpose. Second, value depends on what someone will pay for you. How much is your phone? Or how much is a piece of land that you own or a house? It depends on what somebody else is willing to pay for it. You are not only created by God, but Christ gave his life for you. He purchased you and I. First Peter chapter nine, chapter one, verse nineteen says, "He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God Himself gave His life for you. That's how much you are worth. If you want to know how much you are worth, look at the cross. Look at how much, how much the extent that God is willing to go for you. The cross proves your value. You are worth much more. God says." I'm willing to give my son for you. That's how valuable you are. This is what Isaiah says in chapter 49 from verse 15 to 16. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Now, I'm, it's very difficult and very rare for a mother to forget the baby who is on her breast. And to show love and have compassion on that child. But God is saying even if that happens, it will not happen to him and to you. And far much more than that, he has engraved you on the palm of his hand. So that he will constantly look at you. He will constantly see you. And he will treat you with compassion and with value. You are not just acceptable. You are valuable. Then Jesus says, I want you to do that kind of value. I want you to give that kind of value to everybody else that I love to. Because I don't just love you that way. I also love everybody that way. Even the people you think you can't stand, God loves them. And so he calls us to value them. And he says, so I expect you to reach out. Treat them the same way I've treated you. First Peter chapter 2, uh, from in chapter 2 verse 17. This is what it reads. Treat most people with dignity. Is that what it says? What does it say? 
Everyone, even those who don't dress well, those whose breath is not good, thank God for masks and social distance, everybody is to be treated with dignity. Let's look at the homework, the second homework and action point for today. This is what it it reads in that outline. This week I'll affirm the value of, think of somebody. I want you to write somebody's name who has probably you look and you sense they have low self-esteem. Somebody who gets treated like they don't matter. Somebody that um, you can affirm their value. Just think of somebody like that. Maybe people think they don't matter. I want you to treat them like they matter. Reach out to them. If you can't think of a name, just pray. Maybe the Lord will give you a name. Number three, the way God expresses his love for us is that he forgives us. And so I must forgive others just like Jesus forgives me. You know, some people think that God carries grudges. So whenever they have a problem, they think God is punishing me for something I did. Like something went wrong this week and so God remembers what I did three weeks ago or three months ago or three years ago or even 30 years ago. So God is punishing me, they think. Is that really the way God acts? No. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25, it says, I am the God who forgives your sin and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. That is the God we serve. God wants to forgive us. He has not only he does not only want to forgive us, he has done all that is necessary to forgive us. What is amazing is that he's been planning to do this for a very long time. And that is why in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 4 it says long ago even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his sight. Before you were born, even before the world was made, God was already planning in Christ Jesus to forgive our sins. That's amazing. All the guilt in our lives, God made a plan to give us forgiveness even before we were born. He knows everything wrong. He knows everything that we'll do wrong. He knows everything that we do wrong and will do wrong. And we keep doing wrong. None of it is a surprise to him. God knows we are going to sin and he has already planned how he forgives us. That is amazing in Christ Jesus. And I think that is why in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is absolutely no condemnation. Yes, I may condemn you, your neighbor may condemn you, your teacher may have condemned you but not from God in Christ Jesus. He says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 8, as we were sharing in the Holy Communion today, as we were led by Pastor Patricia, he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. And I pray that if any of you came here feeling condemned, and even those of you who are online, if you're feeling condemned, that you will walk out free this week knowing that God does not condemn you because he gave his life so that you and I may be forgiven 
And because of that, there is no more condemnation. And once I recognize that he's forgiven me, then I'm enabled, I am strengthened to forgive other people in my life. That's false and forgive the other persons who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. In Luke, again, we saw the same thing. So let's, 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 let's think about these things, how Christ has forgiven, has forgiven us. He says, do not judge in Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. At the very end of a story that Jesus was telling, he told this man, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I have had mercy on you? Because God has shown me mercy and forgiveness, I ought to show other people forgiveness and mercy. Yes, when I look at myself, I see sin. Sometimes I may not even forgive myself. But God is willing and ready and has forgiven me in Christ Jesus. Because when I, took, I look at God, I see forgiveness that only he can give. And so our third homework or action step, it says, who is there this week that you should offer forgiveness to? Think about it. It may be, may be somebody who hurt you that you should go to and say, I have not talked to you for some time. Let's connect again. Or it may be somebody who has been acting as though there is no problem, but you and they know that there is an issue that needs to be clear. Now, for those of you who are in an abusive relationship, please don't go to that person. But from your end, forgive that person and let go, knowing that God has forgiven you. Also, you may just look around. Maybe somebody hasn't offended, but you can see people who are hurting. Maybe you may just want to reach out to them. Write their name down. Because if we are going to become Christ-like in loving others, we have to accept other people the way Christ accepted us. But we must value other people the way God values us. And we must forgive people the way God has forgiven us. Number four. I must believe in others the way Christ believes in me. In 1 Corinthians, that great chapter about love, it says if you love somebody, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. You know, love believes in someone. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is what God wants us to do, to be able to believe in other people. It's exactly what Jesus did. He found people around him. He looked at the people and saw what they could become, not necessarily what they were. He saw what God had planned for these people. He brought out the best in people, not labeling them, but saying, I believe in you. He says, if you trust in me and get my spirit inside of you and depend on my power, you can do it. I believe in you. And that is why when Simon came to him, Simon means one who is shaky, one who is wavery. Jesus looked at him and said immediately, it was the first thing he did. He said, your name shall be Petrus. You shall be stone, a rock, you shall be firm. And even throughout the time he walked with Jesus, he kept being wavering from here and there and there. But Jesus had seen what he was going to become. And even after he denied Jesus, Jesus said, Satan has asked to sift you. But I have prayed for you. You see, when we condemn people, when we don't believe people, what we do is we side with Satan. 
And so we sift people like Satan and on Satan's behalf. And Satan is so happy because he doesn't even have to come himself because you are there. But if we sell people, if we build people up, we are acting on behalf of Jesus Christ and we build people. Imagine that Jesus entrusted the future of the entire world to 12 simple people. After spending three years with them, he said, okay, I believe in you. You can do it. Now, you, you take uh, this good news to everyone in the, whole, in the whole world, around the world. In, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. I'm, I'm trusting you. I believe in you. And that's what God says in John chapter 14, verse 2. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same work I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. The church of Jesus Christ has over the years been doing amazing things as Jesus works in and through the church, through us by his spirit. And he's changing the whole world and has continued to change the whole world because he believes in us, simple people, sinful people. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, let us consider how we may spur up one another towards love and good works. You see, one of the best ways to really help people to become what they should be is to be in a small group or even just meet uh, with people uh, uh, in an accountability group. I meet with a friend of mine once every week. And it's amazing the things we've been able to pray and see God answer, but how we encourage one another. I meet with my community life group once a week. And it's amazing how much we're able to encourage one another. This week, one of us had lost some relatives one after another, and we were just able to pray with her and to encourage her. I've committed... My wife and I have committed to be meeting with each other and spending at least 15 hours a week. Now, it's not always easy. But what that does is we encourage one another. We build one another up in Christ. So don't forsake the meeting of one another. Be in a small group. Look out for people. Be in an accountability group. Don't just be on your own that you may build each other up. This is the third homework. Somebody to demonstrate trust in. Write down the name of a person. Somebody specific this week. Somebody you see who has potential for growth and you can say, I believe in you. Maybe you may think of somebody who's been devastated by failure or loss and you just need to go and stand by them and say, I believe in you. Or you just want to stand by them and say, you can do it. Especially after this pandemic, many, many lives, many people have been devastated in their various ways. And so if I'm going to be a world-class lover like Jesus, I've got to be practical. And so this week, we are asking you to show somebody acceptance. And I hope you've already written that name. To affirm the value of somebody, to offer forgiveness to somebody, and to demonstrate trust in somebody. You know, psychologists tell us that your self-image, that how they tell us that your self-image, how you see yourself, is largely determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. So for a child, it could be the mother or the father. If they're the most important person, how they think about you becomes very important. Who is the most important person in your life? 
You see, if you get to know Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, or you've known him over the years as the Lord and Savior, and you make him the most important person in your life, he says this about you. He says you are valuable. He says you are acceptable. He says you are lovable. He says you are forgivable. He says you are capable. You and I need to stop listening to what everybody else is saying about us. They probably don't even care about us. They also maybe have their own issues. They may be putting us down because they have their own issues. But God loves you. You and I need to make Jesus Christ the most important person in our lives and to listen to what he says about us. It really doesn't matter what the world has said in the past about you. What you have said about yourself. But it does matter what God says about you. You know, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of man, sin by its very nature has a way of leaving us very wounded. You look at Adam and Eve after they sinned, they find themselves by just that nature of listening to Satan because this is Satan's plan. He makes them very vulnerable. He makes them feel self-ashamed. And they begin to self-reject and even reject one another. They're exposed, they're naked, they're hurt. They find themselves no longer valuable before God and they run away. They find themselves miserable and with no hope. That is the nature of sin. And that is where almost everybody is. Feeling an unacceptable. Feeling not so valuable. Those of our children, they get B's, they are told you haven't got it, get an A. They get C's, you're told you haven't reached, get a B. And they continue feeling we, don't, we are not valuable, we, we are nothing. God is calling us as believers to be those who will cause change. You know, wounds from rejection, be it by friends, by parents or other people, or even fellow believers, they have a way of shaping our lives. In fact, the deepest wounds we have in our lives are the wounds of rejection. Maybe we've been betrayed. Maybe we've been belittled. Maybe we've been told that we are worthless or we are not ever going to amount to anything. And in most cases, what we do in life is usually a combination of trying to be accepted by other people and trying to avoid rejection. It could be from our dressing, from even the careers we choose. We are trying to avoid rejection. So I choose this career to be accepted by so and so. It could be the relationships we have. We find ourselves influenced by this fear of rejection and acceptance. And there is this myth that if I just become perfect, everybody will love me. And so we keep hiding even our faults so that we are accepted by others. Be it in, on social media, we keep trying to give the best food that we have. But Jesus Christ was perfect and yet he was rejected. He was nailed to the cross. So don't deceive yourself that you'll, be, you'll not be rejected. On top of that, we live in a culture today where society digs up our past and cancels us, rejects us. 
and says you've done this and you are done. And yet this is the kind of situation that God is calling us to accept other people as believers. Not only to receive acceptance from him but to accept other people to value ourselves and to value others as he has valued us. To forgive as he's forgiven us. And to trust and to believe in people as he has. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 it says may you have the power to understand all of God's people as all of God's people should. How wide, how long, how high and how deep God's love is for us. And as the worship team comes up, I want us to pray this prayer with you. Just take a pause, hoping you've written all those names down, hoping that you've also had a reflection on yourself. Let us pray this prayer together. Thank you, Father that you can heal broken hearts that you can heal bitter memories and damaged self-esteem and even the tears that may be falling down deep in our hearts you are able to heal thank you thank you that we matter to you thank you that you that the, the, the patterns that we have that have destroyed us can be erased And thank you that even the curses some we've brought on ourselves some have been brought on us by generations you are able to reverse and we pray that lord even as we look into this day how you love us may you reverse these curses that we may begin our lives anew only reflecting and thinking about you how you love us because you want to replace those curses with blessings Thank you that you turn nobody's into somebody's. Jesus, I ask that you help us today that we may begin to see ourselves through your eyes of what you think of us. Thank you that we can depend on your love. I want to ask you to now just pray this in your hearts. Say dear Jesus in your hearts. Help me to see myself the way you see me. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I don't understand it all, but thank you that you accept me and that you value me and that you forgive me. and that you believe in me I want to believe in you I want to trust you help me to care more about what you think of me than what other people think that the truth may set me free that I may accept other people that I may value other people that I may forgive others and that I may encourage others still with our heads bowed i want you to repeat this prayer with me loudly even for those who are at home please repeat after me
Because of Jesus Christ, I am acceptable. Because of Jesus Christ, I am valuable. Because of Jesus Christ, I am lovable. Because of Jesus Christ, I am forgivable. Because of Jesus Christ, I am capable. I refuse all the lies Satan has told me through people, even some people that I have trusted in the past. Jesus helped me to see myself through your eyes of love and help me to see others the same way. Amen.